Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Dime for Midnight podcast, where, after quite a while, we're offering up an episode featuring yours truly. That's right, it's me, Case, and I'm flying solo, and I'm a little late to the Mardi Gras party, thanks to a couple of guys wrestling on the tracks, and, well, that delayed our train a little bit. Today's episode, let me get a sip of my soda real quick. Well, it's inspired by my love for New Orleans. It's inspired by my love for the man that goes by the name of Clint Eastwood. And if you've listened closely enough to especially our season one, you know I'm into police procedurals. And hey, this week's Clint Eastwood film, well, there is horror in this flick. And I'm just going to chat about it just for a little bit. This week's episode, it's going to be just uncut. I'm not going to put the usual bells and whistles and window dressings on it. But uh, hey, right now, let's get to it. Let's dive together into this bonus episode. Episode number 48.5, or what I like to call Naviguer dans la Gris. And that's Navigating the Gray for my fellow English-speaking friends. Yes, let's touch just ever so lightly on Mr. Clint Eastwood's 1984 psychological thriller, Tightrope. And you know that psychological thrillers can be horror-adjacent with the right elements if they hit the right notes for horror fans. Be that as it may, I have been to New Orleans in June, but never for Mardi Gras. I actually forgot that it was Mardi Gras this past week. Um, I'd like to go there, actually, when it's cooler, relatively speaking. About as cool as New Orleans can get, anyways. Without there being, God forbid, a hurricane. Now, I know for a fact, thanks to our analytics, that we've got some New Orleans listeners who probably don't go around to the touristy parts that I'm I'm going to mention here in a second, but got a shout out to places like the Hotel St. Marie, to some historical places like Jackson Square, and we'll mention some of those historical places uh, a little bit later on when we talk about this week's movie. Of course, there's... A lot of horror fans, fellow horror hounds, are like us, and you are foodies. Much to our dismay, or delight, depends on how you look at it. Trying to be good, but for now I can at least daydream about the beignets from Café du Monde. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this next place, or two. And Carrie, if you're listening, and you damn well better, uh... I've got to mention the Gumbo House. And I've got to mention, I hope this place is still here, I haven't double-checked, Crescent City Brewing. It's been just under 11 years since Carrie and I ventured there without our two kids. Um, But, man, it was a fun time, uh, albeit maybe a little too short of a time there. Shout out to the St. Louis Cemetery. Nick Cage's gravesite? Question mark. That should be in Vegas, 
based off of what we saw. And an even more special shout out to Marie Laveau. Consider this episode an offering to you into the darkest corners of cinema. I've got New Orleans to thank for my kids, but more on that another time. Now, this movie that we're going to talk about, this is no slouch. This is a movie that opened number one at the box office, eventually made almost $50 million. So this is no undiscovered gem by any means. Okay. This tightrope. In my opinion, horror fans don't tend to bring this one up. I get it. Maybe I can convert you this episode. No matter. Clint Eastwood's cop is a good guy in this film. He's a single dad. A great dad, actually. But does being a good guy mean you're completely towards the white or light side of the force? Or are there shades of gray to you? Well, he's much, much closer, his character, that is, to light than he is dark. Me? I can relate to some of Eastwood's character here. Can't say the same for the man stalking the streets of New Orleans. A sexual predator strangling women and men alike. And with most police procedurals, you can easily tell where this movie's going. Eastwood's character, Wes Block, Detective Block, he's got to solve the case. But between point A where we find West Block and point B, the end of the movie. He's drowning his sorrows in the lurid side of the Big Easy. Creole women. Cajun women. Cajun queen, as CCR likes to put it. Women who, as he puts it, don't have day jobs. Spends a little time with these ladies. You get the gist. Now the real lady, the real catch of this film, is Genevieve Bujold as Beryl Thibodeau. And if you're a Cronenberg fan, you can catch her with Jeremy Irons and, uh, well, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> and Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. Now... My two favorite moments featuring our two leads that I just talked about is A, in the self-defense class scene, which will get a good chuckle, I think especially for the ladies out there, and in the gym, and the chemistry between our two leads here is undeniable. Now here's a little bit of trivia for you. In the documentary, Clint Eastwood, The Man from El Paso, I think this was around the mid-90s this came out, Genevieve Bujol said that 
for one reason or another, and I haven't been able to track down the reasoning for this, I kind of get it. She felt that there shouldn't be a love scene between her character and Clint Eastwood's character in this movie. Clint Eastwood thought that was a good idea. So, if you're going into this movie, tightrope, given the lurid subject matter, thinking that you're going to see our two actors get together, well, I hate to tell you, um, Genevieve's idea was incorporated into the movie, so there's that. However, you still need to check it out. Regardless, watch this one alone, or with your squeeze. It has just enough sleaze, but by no means does it get in the way of the top shelf acting here. Clint Eastwood, he took a gamble with this one. His character having that risque side, but it pays off in the long run. We've got the venerable Dan Hedaya here as Detective Joe Molinar. He's always a welcome sight, especially in a cop role. He's got a lot of those. I'm sure a lot of you horror fans just saw him in Freeway. Now, here's an additional interesting tidbit for this one. The director, Richard Tuggle, uh, he got hot as in actually in relation to the weather. Um, one day he was on top of a camera truck and Eastwood noticed that uh, Tuggle had a little something hanging out of shorts. So, in front of the whole cast and crew and everybody, he ordered the director. Which, by the way, there's some back and forth as to who really directed this, but from the sounds of it, it sounds like Clint Eastwood started taking over. Um, told him to get some underwear on, pronto. <laughs> That's about just right for a movie like this. Um, anyways, this movie... It's a lot more ambitious, in my opinion, than any Dirty Harry flick. Make no mistake, those are great, and everybody's got their favorite Dirty Harry. Um, trying to think of what mine might be. I mean, often the original can't be beat, but I really do love me some Magnum Force. More on that another time. This movie, this tightrope, it's going to engage others that normally don't go seeking out Clint Eastwood flicks. My two cents. Now, as far as New Orleans goes, and just the overall... Well, let's talk about shooting locations. We've got a lot of the French Quarter, and frankly, if you're going to shoot a film in New Orleans and you don't feature the French Quarter, well, you forgot to color by the numbers there. <laughs> uh, of course, there's Bourbon Street. Represented quite well with all the sins that go along with that place. It's all about perspective here. You've got the Dixie Brewery from Tulane Avenue. You've got the famous River Walk that everybody tends to check out while they're visiting, along with Bourbon Street. It does show the Superdome, and funny enough, being Italian, I had to mention, mention excuse me, the Piazza d'Italia. Now, my question is, were they in the Garden District at all? It almost seemed like Clint Eastwood and his two girls, the two characters, lived in the Garden District. I could be wrong about that. In fact, I'm fairly sure I am. 
the setting overall, it's top notch. And our killer blends right into the seedy underbelly and costs himself quite well in public events. Both the setting, the women, well, and the killer contribute to a greatly told story. And this movie, whew, man, it just oozes with dimly lit atmosphere. There's a containment factor to this film, surprisingly. Feels closed in. And add that intimate flair between Eastwood and the women in this film. Um, you just have those green street lights mixed with a different kink every time Clint is game with another woman, if you know what I mean. And I think you do. Game for the most part, that is. There's a couple scenes where he's not so game. And, you know, different strokes for different folks. Now, did the set design people just use what they had access to? Did we actually see inside some real brothels in New Orleans circa 1984? Did they create these brothel settings, these different steamy settings, or was it a mix of both? Either way, the heat between Clint and the women here, specifically our leading lady, who again, no love scene with her, is it's palpable. The air in this film is thick with danger lurking around every cobblestone street, every alley, and unfortunately within the residence abodes. Now, let me be clear. Tightrope is not just about sex. I mean, well, it is quite a bit so. But Clint Eastwood's character transforms throughout the course of this film. His barometer slowly ticking back towards being an even better man perhaps even better than he was before he got the divorce, and an even better father. A monogamous man, perhaps? Well, this monogamous man hopes so. Only time will tell for West Block. But as far as this film goes, he needs to catch his man first. Yes, who is that man? White male, 20s to 40s. Come on, people. We know what the type is thanks to the like of Teddy Boy, BTK, and the like. Still get chills thinking back to this past year or so and Brian Koberger only being a few hours away from us. So, speaking of horrific people and horrific things, why should horror fans, why should you all watch Tightrope if you haven't done so already? Well, let's think about movies that blend crime, thriller, and psychological horror elements. There's obsession. Well, there's desire. And the blurred lines between, well, madness and sanity. Well, let's just take a hot second and compare Tightrope with other psychological horror films of the 1980s. This one's got a unique approach to this subgenre. Well, let me ask you these questions. Do you like movies like Charles Bronson and Ted to Midnight? Do you like Cruising? Featuring the awesome Al Pacino. 
And by the way, be on the lookout for Powers Booth in that film. What about Maniac? Featuring Joe Spinell. He was in Cruising, too, if you pay close enough attention. How about the first Hannibal Lecter film in the 80s? Manhunter. You like that one? feel like maybe those are too obvious of a comparison. Or too obvious of like movies. Are you a horror fan who enjoys atmospheric, character-driven thrillers? With a touch of psychological terror? Now what about films like Blue Velvet? How about Blood Simple or Dress to Kill? Here's another psychological horror film that features New Orleans. Angel Heart. Hey, listen, in conclusion, if you like all of these, you're going to like Tightrope. At least I hope. You may already love Clint Eastwood and play Misty for me, right? Hey, to me, Clint Eastwood has an enduring legacy in thrillers and in horror. For those reasons, maybe Tightrope and the previously mentioned films will find their way onto the shelves of your movie collection if they're not already there. Well, guys, just a little friendly reminder that we just released our My Bloody Valentine episode. Next week wraps up our unofficial Canadian Tax Shelter Month with curtains. Can you believe we're almost at episode 50? Well, we're thinking about doing some other longer bonus episodes, with Carrie by my side, of course, if she'll have me. And we're planning on Carrie returning for her own solo episode, bonus episode that is, where she'll turn on her husky come-hither voice. Check out her Kiss of the Damned bonus episode. Highly recommend that one. There's also Neon Maniacs featuring yours truly, The Barn Part 2, and a few other smaller bonus episodes. And uh, if there's a movie you'd like us to do a, a full episode on, we'd be happy to. Please reach out to us at DFMMailwolf, that's two M's at Gmail, or on our socials on Twitter, and I swear we will get back on Instant and Facebook at some point. Well... That's all for me, folks, for this bonus episode. Better get going. There's a uh, weird-looking spider in a gimp mask staring at me that is seemingly growing in size, and we may need a jet squadron to take care of it. And if you get that reference without Googling it, you may be an even bigger Clint Eastwood fan than you realize. <laughs>